Good, good. If you have your Bibles, grab those. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, starting verse 30. Uh, we'll eventually get uh, there. Um, so we are in our fall series, and we are just focused in on uh, discipleship. And so uh, last week in Matthew 4.19, uh, we just simply defined what a disciple was. Um, there, there are many definitions for disciple that aren't wrong, uh, but just to kind of help us home in on or understand uh, fully what we mean by when we say disciple, uh, we, we, can, we can know for sure. And so uh, Jesus there just simply says, hey, follow me um, and, and I will make you fishers of men. And so a very simple, simple definition for us here at New Life, uh, when we use the word disciple, is by what we mean is that follow me part, por- portion is just simply you're, you're saved, you're a believer. You're a part of who Jesus is. You've been adopted in, and you're, uh, through faith, walking relationally with him, and you're, uh, you're following him. You've given your life to him uh, through faith. And then the second aspect of disciple for us is this thought of being, uh, making you. He's going to make you. You're going to be changed. You're going to be shaped, molded all the more into the image of Jesus, walking like, living like, responding like uh, Christ would. And so uh, whereby that old man is, is dead, and you've crucified the flesh, and Uh, you're starting to walk uh, in newness of life with Jesus, resembling what he is like, living him out. And then the third uh, aspect of a disciple for us is this thought of being fishers of men, this thought of being on mission. And so what Jesus does is he gives purpose. He gives direction. And and that direction is to do what he has done, to to go after uh, man, share the gospel, walk relationally, uh, be on mission like he was on uh, mission. And so for us, as, as his disciples, in order to be able to be uh, obedient to that call that he has put on our life, what we have to do is we need to know uh, what we're making. He, he gives us the great commission that says, go make. And so it's imperative that we uh, know what we're making. And so for me, it just takes my mind right to, to this, and to, to Legos. And so uh, it's every child's greatest toy and every parent's greatest fear. Because if you've ever in the middle of the night been walking through your house, it doesn't have to be nighttime. I mean, it could be daytime, anytime. I mean, these things go everywhere and hide in the most random, awful places where bare feet tread. You know what I'm saying? And so, so the thought would be, be this. Like if I told you to, to make, a, make a vehicle out of these. And, and the thing is this, okay, make a vehicle. What do you, what do you mean vehicle? Two-door, four-door? Do we, want, do we want big tires, small tires? What kind of tires? What, uh, what kind of rims? I mean, uh, what, what does that look like? SUV? Sports car? Like, like you, you want a spoiler on it? What, what, what do you want? What do you want? And so, so for, for us, like I said, it's imperative that we know what a disciple is so that we can gauge whether or not we're doing that. Because if Jesus has told us to go do something, he's going to give us what we need to be able to accomplish that. He's not going to ask us to do something that we can't do. And so he, he's outlined and he's told us. And so if I, I was to say, hey, make a vehicle, but, but I've, got, I've got an instruction book for you. You can open up that book and you can start to flip and, 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 and uh, it, it gives you step by step what to do. Well, church, the great news for us is it's the same, same deal. It's the same deal for us. We have uh, an outline. We, we get to look in the scriptures and see what that looks like and what that means. What kind of disciple he wants us to make. What kind of follower he wants us to be. What he wants, and we just start, we start to, to live out and to do what he says. And as we live out and we do, we, we make things and we get to accomplish and do what he's called us to accomplish and do. We get to join in with him in making disciples and living this out all the while getting to say, hey, am I one? Am I one who's being true to what he has called me to be and what this looks like and how we define what a disciple is and so we got to know we got to know what that looks like so over the next two weeks what we're going to do is i'm just going to roll out a little bit of mission for us what it means we've looked at our vision and we want to partner with christ to reach the world one person at a time so that's that's where we're going we want to take the gospel to the nations we want to take the gospel to the world and i'm crazy enough to believe that we can do that i'm crazy enough to believe with the empowerment of the holy spirit and the direction of god in our lives, over his church, that, that we can reach the nations. I mean, look at what he has accomplished and done with, with 12 regular dudes. Well, 11, because one was, anyways. But you see what I'm saying? I mean, we sit here today in this place as a result of what took place, Jesus walking with 12 ordinary men. Nothing special about those guys. 
If anything, and you've read the Gospels, there's stories I read, and I'm like, I probably would have kicked a couple of them out. I probably would have started over. I probably would have, uh, uh, man, I just don't know if you're going to get this, Pete. Pete, let's just, let's be honest, dude. You've got some struggles and issues. Maybe not today. But, but no, Jesus pushes in all the more, doesn't he? He walks all the closer with. And, and so, so for us, we believe we want to take the gospel to the world. We want to see people saved. We want to see God reach people and forever change lives. So, so that, that's where we're headed. And so the mission, the way to think about mission is this. How do we accomplish that? How do we live out the vision that God has placed within us as New Life Baptist Fellowship? So how, how do we accomplish? How do we equip those? And so our mission is just simply this, to make biblical disciples in relational environments. We want to make biblical disciples in relational environments. So, so now that we have defined what a disciple is, now that we know what we mean by when we say disciple, this is how, this is how we're going to do that. This is how we're going to live out that vision in taking the gospel. We're going to make disciples and we're going to deploy them. We're going to raise up and make and create, and then we're going to send out. We're going to send out and, 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 and just tell you to go get them. Like, like, like go get them. Like, like this morning I have a conversation with somebody uh, about sharing the gospel, and it was around uh, a mattress and a gun. Yeah, that was a cool story. Yeah, a mattress, yeah, mattress and a gun. Anyways, um, so it was just, they got saved. Let's put it that way. And I'm joking. I'm joking. It wasn't like, hey, you believe in Jesus or I'm going to, no, it wasn't like that. It was just, but that would be like a really cool, anyways, anyways, get back, Scott, notes, state of notes. Um, so, so now that we've defined what it means to be a disciple, now that we see that, we know that, this is how we're going to, this is how we're going to accomplish, this is how we're going to do it, this is how we're going to make that disciple. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to walk through the scriptures. We're just going to walk through the scriptures and we're going, to, we're going to look at what that means. And the beautiful thing for us, as I mentioned here with a little book on what kind of car to make, a little step-by-step on how to, the beautiful thing for us is it's not just like guesswork. For, for followers of Jesus, for Christians, for the church, it's not guesswork on how to make disciples. I mean, the greatest disciple maker ever, Jesus himself, we have recorded in his word. I mean, just read the gospels, look at the gospels. Look at how he accomplishes. Look at how he walks out this task of making disciples. Remember last week when I made that comment about how he said he's already glorified the Father. God, Father, I've come and I have glorified you and, and what you've called and asked me to do. And he hadn't yet went to the cross. I believe it's him walking out and living out and making disciples and sharing and showing and raising up and giving us, giving us the blueprint on how to. The blueprint on how to. So for us this morning, this is what we're going to do. I'm just going to define relationship. I'm going to define relational for us. And then I'm going to press out how, how we live out and do relationship. I'm going to press it out and kind of flesh that out a little bit. So I'm going to ask you to join me one more time as we pray, and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump in this morning. Father, we love you. We need you. Jesus, I pray, God, that you would just speak to our hearts. God, help us to hear what you have to say. Father, Father draw us in all the closer. Father, give us a passion and a burden. Father, for people in this world. Father, give us a love and a way to see people the way that you do. And Father, in that, may we press toward out of concern and care. And Father, may may we share and may we intentionally walk with and raise up and make disciples like you've called us to make. Jesus, we love you. We need you. Work on our heart this morning, I beg. Shame we pray. Amen. So for me this morning, I I feel a little bit goofy just defining relationship or relational um, but I just believe we live in a world uh, where Satan has, has done a really, really good job of, of deceiving us or making us think that it's something that it's not, because that's what Satan does. He likes to take good things. He likes to mess it up or confuse us or, or deceive us and manipulate us. And so, um, but I just think it's, I think it's imperative that we know what we're talking about when we talk about relationship. And relationship is just simply the way in which two or more people are connected. Uh, the way in which two or more people are connected, spending time together, communicating, doing life together. Uh, and, and, it's, and I want to push it even a little bit further as it's really knowing each other at a deeper level. It, it's really like, like being intimately connected at a, at a deeper level where you, you know stuff about each other more than just, hey, what your favorite team is or uh, uh, what kind of car you drive or uh, those type of things. Some, something at a deeper level deeper level whereby we are connected, walking together, doing life together. 
I believe that's what a relationship is. And it's different than an acquaintance. See, I believe we get those two kind of confused. We get those two uh, mixed up. A, a, a deep relationship compared to an, an acquaintance. An acquaintance is just someone that you, that, that you know slightly or, or know some things about. That, that, that you're just really not that close to them. Like you may know some information about them. You may know some facts. You may know some stats or some stuff about them. But you don't, you don't truly know them. Like, like have, you, have you ever been out and, and like you walk past somebody and they don't really, like, and I'm an eye contact guy, right? Like, so if I'm out, like, like we, like I'm, I mean, probably not like that. Maybe it is that weird. I don't know. But like, I'm like, like, like we, I'm doing it. And, and, and there's times where like I'm out and I walk past somebody. And I'm like, dang, I know them. I've got to know them. I'm like, boo, do I know them? Do you know them? Do we know them? I got to. And what it is, is because of our world and our day, as everybody is connected, but really not, and you can see things about people. Isn't it crazy how we've made like stalking like a friendly thing now? Hey, just send them a request. Sure, stalk many anytime you want to. Here you go. I mean, and it's, it's things like that where I'll be out walking around and, and I'm supposedly a friend of somebody's or somebody's a friend of mine on a social media platform somewhere. And it's like, I know things about them. But I don't know them. And do you know how weird it would be that if I just come up and be like, hey, Bobby, what's up, dude? Like, how, I saw where the kids were. And he'd be like, what? Well, yeah, your wife posted. And then and I was like, I, th- I think that's the world we're living in, thinking that is what relationship is. Uh, that's where Satan has kind of, uh, kind of uh, uh, blinded us to the reality of what true, real relationship is. And, and, and we've gotten acquaintance and relationship uh, mixed up. And, and it, just, it just blows my mind in 2023, as advanced as we are, as smart as we are, the things that we have to, to define relationship. And hear me, I'm not against technology. I'm not against some of those platforms. But what I am is saying is this, is that we need to push away from the surface level stuff. And that we need to learn and connect and push back into how to really do relationship. Because just because you have 2,400 friends doesn't mean that you have 2,400 friends. And because you can get 15 likes doesn't mean that everybody really liked it. Just, just because you have that, dis- that, that list at your disposal doesn't mean that you're really best friends or even journeying together. Like sometimes people just like to just be creepers and check up in and see what's going on. To just stalk you and see what's happening. And what scares me is that we've dumbed down this thought of relationship. We've reduced it to something that's, that's unhealthy and not God-honoring. And, and when we come together and we talk about Christian community and we talk about uh, relationship and we talk about making uh, biblical disciples in relational environments, it, it, it gets a bit goofy for us or it gets a bit skewed for us. We don't, we don't fully understand uh, what that means. And what I would say is this, is that we so desperately need life on life that we need to put down the screens, we need to put down uh, the keyboard, and we need to uh, 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 get together. And, and I believe that we, we saw that and experienced that with the pandemic and everything that we have been through and everything that we have experienced and, and walked through, uh, through that. And so I found a quote a few years back from Adam Grant. He says this. He says, on average, it takes 50 hours of interaction to go from acquaintance to friend. Uh, over two days' worth over two days' worth of interaction to go from, hey, I know some stuff about them to, hey, I really do know some stuff about them. Uh, more so than just what they've posted online or more so of what I can just pick up by the t-shirt that they wear or the, hey, how you doing, moments passing in the hallways. Where, where I go deeper, it says it takes 50 hours of interaction to go from acquaintance to friend and 200 hours to get to close friend. 200 hours of interaction and spending time together to, to be considered close Friend, it says, real friendships rarely happen overnight. They're built over time through sharing moments of joy and moments of heartache. And, and to do that, you've got to be together. You, you've got to be around each other. And, and, and I would even take it a step further and define for us what I believe by, uh, when I say real biblical friendship, when I mean friendship from a biblical perspective, real biblical friendship first centers around one's relationship with Jesus. If you want to be a friend, you've got to know the friend of friends. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if you want to be a true friend and enter into relationship with someone, the, the best way to do that is, to, is to, to know what your relationship with Jesus is like. To, to be settled and secure in that relationship first and foremost. To, 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 be, to be secure in that, to, to know him and to walk out with him what relationship does and, and even the purpose of relationship with him. 
This whole purpose of relationship. And then as a result of that, what happens is through that relationship, we walk intentionally with another or another's, building trust through investing time, energy, resources into someone else's life for the purpose of seeing them flourish in their life for God's glory. So, so to walk biblical relationship out with someone, you've got to have a relationship with Jesus first and foremost. And then as a result of that relationship, walking out that relationship and through that relationship, now I can have relationship with other people. Because it's hard enough to have relationship with people, period, is it not? And it's not because of them. We like to blame relationship struggles on other people when reality is probably the relationship struggle is with me. My insecurities, my wants, my desires, I mean, I don't know how you are, but I'm the most selfish person I know. Thank you for not saying amen. You, you know what I'm talking about, though. Hey, hey, what do you want to do this weekend? Hey, what do you want to go eat? Hey, what do you want to hang out? Hey, what, what are you thinking? Hey, what do you want to buy? What do you want we, to... We always default. Any, any circumstance and situation, our natural default is to self, is it not? What I like the most, what I want the most, where I want to go the most, how I want to... And, and it's funny because in relationships, so often it's the other person that's the issue. And maybe what's happening is God is showing us through that other person some of our issues and struggles that we need to work on. And, and so for me, relationship, first and foremost, has to be with him. An understanding of what that means and what that looks like. And then as a result of that, I can have relationship with others the way that God has created and made it to be. I don't enter a relationship for the benefit of me. That's not what relationship is. And that's so often how we define it. Like, what can they do for me? What can I get out of this? How can this uh, help me? Well, we should flip the script. See, biblical relationship is, hey, man, what, what can I bring to the table? What can I do for? How can I serve? How can I lay down my life? How can I help them be the best person they can possibly be in Christ for his glory and for his honor? That's what biblical relationship looks like. And that's what it means. And relationships happen through a lot of intentional, intentional authenticity. It's costly. There's intimacy. There's honesty. There's vulnerability. There's transparency. All of those things come together for the glory of God to lay bare, to show and walk out and to model what that looks like. So that's what relationship is. Now, now, how, how do we live that out? What do we, what do, we do with that? And, and I go back again to the first most important relationship. Is that with God or Jesus? It's, it's, it's through relationship with Jesus is the greatest need of every person everywhere. Every person everywhere, every moment of every day is relationship with Jesus. And I've talked in detail over the last few weeks of what that looks like. What that means. How, how it's entered into through the gospel, through, through faith, through relationship with. See, Mark 12.30 says it like this. Jesus is asked, what's the greatest command? And this is his response. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. But the, the greatest love relationship you should have in your life is that with Jesus, that with God. That should be the, the, the driving force of every other thing in your life is relationship and love him. And he says in this 31, the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so I think sometimes as, as, as church, in church world, we, we make it a little more difficult than it needs to be. We make things a little bit harder than, than it should be or it needs to be. And, and I know, again, our world has muddied the waters as it comes to relationships, period. And, and then you try to have relationship with Jesus and you know what the world says, you know how, and then my goodness, I've, I've heard what the church has said and, and what the heck does that look like? What does that mean? And I think we just, we, we've, we've, made it, we've made it too difficult sometimes, We've made it too hard and into something that it's not. Because relationship with Jesus should be the easiest relationship you have in your life. Think about that for a second. The relationship you have with Jesus should be the easiest one that you have in your life. Because let me ask you this. If you treated anyone else in your life that you have a relationship with, like you have Jesus, what would they do? And I don't know about you, but I know me. Like I can't tell you the amount of times just this week I've not listened to him. I've talked back to him. I've neglected him. I haven't, told, I haven't told others about him. I haven't, I haven't um, done my part. And do you know what he does every single time with me? He comes after me. He comes after me. Who else, who else in your life is going to do that? 
Who else in your life is going to treat you that way? You treat them like a dog and they come running after you. You treat them like a dog and neglect them. Disobey them, not listen to them. Have nothing to do with them. Be ashamed of them from time to time. I'll tell you one thing I did that to my, if I do that to my wife, yeah, I'm not going to have a wife. And I'll be recovering in ICU for a little bit too. But not with Jesus. No. Not with Jesus. No, he, he, he comes after you. He pursues you even in your, your lack of obedience or your lack of love or your lack of fellowship. He, he still continues to come after you because he loves and he cares and it's not based upon what you can do for him. That's what relationship looks like. So he should be the easiest relationship we have in our life because we treat him like that and he's still. But what does this relationship look like? What does it mean to have relationship with Jesus? First and foremost, you've got to be born again. You've got to come through faith. That's how you enter into a relationship, faith on what Jesus has accomplished and done on the cross. And it's not just like, oh, yeah, I believe. It's not acquaintanceship is what I'm talking about with Jesus. I'm talking about true relationship whereby through faith you abandon all that you are and you fully cling to him in faith, believing that what he's accomplished and what he has done suffices the payment that's required for our sin. Our rebellion. And so seeing ourselves in light of who Jesus is, we cling to and we believe that he has accomplished, he has died on the cross, he's raised again, I believe it in my heart, every ounce of my being uh, is abandoned to that. And so then as a result of me being born again, now in relationship with Jesus through faith, now there's things that I, I get to do. Like I get to do to live out relationship with Jesus. And one of the greatest things that we do is we have his word. One of the greatest things that we do, way that, the way that Jesus communicates to his friends, his followers, his church, his bride, his people is through his word. He uses the Holy Spirit and his word to communicate to us. Now, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I've never heard the audible voice of God. But I'm going to tell you right now that I felt like God has shoved me into some places sometimes. I feel like I have read things or I have looked at things or I have walked into certain places and in what I know through God's word and what I know about God, his heart and his character, I feel real fast some things pressed upon my heart that I need to do. And the more that I read his word, the more that he shows me some of those things. So, so the way that we do relationship with Jesus, the way that he talks to us and communicates to us, because it's not like we just pick up the phone and call him, technically we could, and he hears because he's everywhere at all times. So technically we could do that. But, but, but the, way, the way that we, so I know it's difficult because we can't do that, or we can't say, hey, you want to go to the game, or hey, do you want to come over and hang out for a little bit, or hey, I'm about to cook some cheeseburgers, you in? His answer is always yes, and he's there. And I know that kind of seems a little goofy and weird at times, but, uh, but the way that the communication happens from him is, is through his word, through the Holy Spirit. So, so maybe, maybe the reason why the relationship with Jesus is struggling right now is because you're not spending time in his word. Like, like if you don't let him talk to you and communicate to you, then you will struggle relationally with him. And, and then it goes back the other way. The way that we talk to him, the way that we communicate with him is through prayer. And, and pray, listen, prayer is not just this list of God, do this, 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 this. All right, see it. See in two weeks. No. Like, like if you do that in any other relationship in your life, that person gets tired really, really quick of you and they move on. They, they go the other way. And when we prayer, thank God that he's not like that. And that's not what prayer is, just me to talk to him and tell him everything that he needs to do or needs to be about. But, but it's also me getting to pour out my heart to him in, in, in adoration and in, in, in worship and in, in gratitude. It, it, prayer is also me just being silent sometimes in his presence and just listening, listening with my heart. Letting him direct my thoughts and guide, guide my steps and my thoughts. So, so relationship with Jesus is through his word and through prayer. Through, through being in his word. Reading his word. Letting him speak to you. Through his word and then through prayer. You speaking to him. Him speaking through those avenues is how, I think my mic has went out. Uh-huh. Always wanted to be a singer. I'm joking, I don't. Check, check, check. I think it died. I got that mic. There we go. Okay. This is gonna be I'm like a hands flailer, and so y'all just be careful, okay? <laughs> this thing could go flying. Um But anyways, back to relationship with Jesus. It's it's through his word and it's through prayer, and it's through other believers. 
It's living out and walking out. It's being in his word and letting his word communicate to you and to your heart. It's letting his word press on you. It's spending time talking to him, having conversation with him through prayer, letting him converse back to you through prayer, pressing upon your heart, upon your thoughts, different ways like that. I mean, that's what relationship looks like. And so what I would leave you with in this, this first little how to live out, what that means, what that looks like is, is this. I want you to think about what would the relationships in your life look like if you treated everyone else like you do Jesus? And then what you do is you start to treat Jesus like you do everybody else. Talking to him, spending time with him, getting in his word, getting in Christian community, Letting other people kind of love on you, press on you, hold you accountable, all of those things. And so then the second relationship is others, right? That's what we see there in Mark 12. Love God, love others. The second relationship, how we live this out, is, is with others. First with God, second with others. And so after our first greatest relationship is met in Jesus, we're created to walk relationally with other people. And, and I don't care how introverted you are. This is not about being introverted or not being introverted. It's, it's about the way that God has wired us and created us. And maybe you're not like me and you don't like 500 people around you all the time talking intently and maybe you're not like that. And that's quite all right. That doesn't mean that you're not to walk relationally with people. Genesis 2.18, look there real fast. Genesis 2.18. So, so what we know is God has created, he has made, he has spoken and everything's come into existence. He's created Adam, formed him by the dust of the ground, and he has breathed life into his nostrils. He's got, he's got the spirit in him now, and he is a live, living being created in the image of God. And, 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 and God, as he has created and as he has spoken into existence and as he has made, he said, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then we get to this in Genesis 2.18, and this is, this is what, what God's word says. It is not good that man should be alone. And the thing that's always got me about this verse is that He's not alone. Adam's not alone here in this moment. He's not alone. This is the first time we experience God saying something that, that wasn't good. Everything up to this point has been good. And then, then we get to this part and Adam's alone and it's, and it's not good. He's created as good. He's created as good. He's created as good. Created man, he's alone. It's not good. And that's what gets me about the scriptures that we know Adam's not alone. Who's, who's there with him in his presence? Who is he there with in this moment? He had God. Adam's not alone by himself. He has got God there. And so what this tells me, what this shows me, what this points to is the fact that, that, that relationship with God is first and foremost, but then we also need others to walk out relationally with. We also need other people in our life. We were not created to go at life by ourselves. We were not created to go at this thing alone. All I know is this, is that bad things happen when we're alone. Bad things happen from self-experience and then experience that I've heard from other people that, that, that when we're out there by ourselves living life the way that we want to, not, not getting input from other people that we trust, that we know, that care for us, that love the Lord, that are, that are pressing us in ways that, that honor the Lord, that, that when we're out there living life that way by ourselves, usually is when bad things happen, is when we're alone doing it by ourselves because we're not created to go at this alone. We're not created to be, have this my, by myself mentality. We're relational beings. That's how we were created. And so when we neglect either of these relationships, that's when we're in some of the greatest dangers of heading in a direction that we shouldn't go. Heading down a road that we shouldn't go that will not end well for us. Because we're not created to go at this alone. We're not created to be by ourselves over doing what we want to do, how we want to do it. We have a need for people in our life. He creates us to be like that. Puts in every person ever created this need for relationship. First and foremost with him and then with others. And so what I want to do is I just want to talk for a moment about relationships and what that means and what that looks like. Because the types of relationships matter. Types of relationships matter. And so the first relationship I want to talk about is personal relationship. Personal relationship. Personal means not just functional. Not, not just that it's there and it just kind of happens and it functions and it's just, I'm, I'm talking about something a little bit deeper. You, you can have functional relationship with someone because they're your doctor, they're your lawyer, your plumber, your employer, a teammate, a teacher, without that relationship being personal. See, I think personal takes it deeper. We, we need to go deeper relationally with people. See, personal means that you can relate to each other about personal things, not just professional things. Not just surface level type things. You need people that you journey with that you can go deeper with. 
that you trust and that you know have your best interest at hand. So for me, I've, I've got a guy that, that helps me with landscaping. I've got a guy that, that kind of directs me, and over the years, I've known him for about 16 years now, that, that, that helps me. There's been times where I needed to seed this, or I needed to kill that, or I needed to pull this out, or I needed to prune this, or I needed to, to do some things uh, like that. And so he'll kind of always instruct me and guide me and help me out. He's like, Miller, the grass is just it's not good there. We need to. And, and so he'll, he'll, he'll tell me, or I'll call him, and hey, I've got this thing that I need. Ah, I'm back, y'all. Watch out. Y'all are in trouble now. My battery pack is charged. Um, so, so, I, so I've got him in my life, and what he does, what he does is, he, is he, he helps me with this professional need that I have, this, this need whenever I see something or I don't know what's happening with this or that, or he can kind of direct me. I can't tell you the times that I've sent him pictures of like, dude, what do I do here? And he's like, Miller, how did you get there with that? I'm like, you'd never believe me if I told you. It was just like with a water hose, and then I, anyways... And so, so he, he directs me and helps me there. But, but what's a million times more important to me is the fact that this person that I have a relationship with is not just by profession, but it's also by personal. There's personal relationship there whereby uh, we get to spend time together. We, we get to hear each other's hearts. Me and my wife, him and his wife. We, we get to walk together, not so much now just where we're at in life, but, uh, but, but over the years, and it's one of those things that we can pick up the phone and we're, we're right back there where we can talk and we can share. We, we, know, we, we know the, the things that, that really get us going. We know our values. We know our longings, our hurts, our joys, our convictions. That There's spiritual depth there. There's all of that stuff of our personal that they're aware of and that they know, that they've walked with us through. And to have people like that in your life is what I'm talking about. You need personal relationship. You need people like that to journey with, that know you and that you know that cares for you and that you care about. And see, Jesus even did it this way. He even modeled this and lived this out. He had circles of, of intimate personal relationships is what he had. And, and this is what it looked like in Jesus' life. There, there were, first of all, the, the 70 that he appointed and sent out. So he had many disciples that, that he was there with, that he was spent time with, that he was around. We see that in Luke 10.1, that, that he would raise up and he would send out and, and let them go. And he didn't know, he, he didn't walk relationally deeply all the time with them like that. And then there were the 12, the 12 that he was really, really close to, that he had there throughout his entire ministry, that, that he was pouring into, that he was journeying with, that he was walking with, that he modeled and showed, that he gave opportunity, that he corrected, that he encouraged, that, that knew him and he knew them deeply. And then from there, he goes down to the three, right, that he knew even deeper, that he even went even deeper with. You have Peter, James, and John, those three disciples. Like he takes them up onto the Mount of Transfiguration where he's transformed and changed, and they are just blown away by. Or they go into the house with him when he raises this little girl from the dead. Or they go with him deeper into the garden as he begins to pray, as, as his hour's coming upon him and the cross is near. He takes him deeper into the garden. His, his guys that were, that were there that he walked closely with, he was closer to them than he was others. And then what we know about that group of three, there was even the one. That there was even the one that, that, that he really knew even more intimately and knew him and walked with him. And at least four times in the scriptures, we see that, 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 it's, that it's quoted that Jesus calls him the disciple whom Jesus loves. So there's something there just a little bit deeper with John. And so he had many personal relationships at varying depths. He had deep personal relationships. But he was also outgoing and there in the middle of all. And so I think it's important to talk a little bit about this thought of deepening relationship. Because I think it's a struggle in our day. It is easier just to cut off and leave and be done with than to do the difficult work of relationship. In our minds and in our hearts, it's easier just to cut off and be finished with, or they looked at me wrong, or they said something to me wrong, or they, uh, whatever the reasoning may be for us, is you know what, I, I can get a new best friend tomorrow. Like, I've got 2,400 online right now just waiting. I mean, there's a wait list to be, I mean, I've got some that I haven't even approved yet that are right there. And our thought is to just, just discard and continue to go on. And we don't go, we don't go deeper with, we don't dive into deeper with, we just stay superficial and level with. Like I can remember reading a story years ago, and it was a story about, about this guy named Dan, not around here, somewhere else in a book I was reading, and it was talking about how Dan uh, was in small group with a, with a group of men. And I'm, just, I'm not trying to call you out, but I'm going to 
Like, I don't want our small groups to be like this. If, you too. You there. Yeah, yeah, you Bill. Yeah, you Frank. You Blake. You're in there. Seth, you back there. I, I, I don't want our small groups to be like this. Scott, you're sitting right there. So, so when, I, when I talk about doing life together, and I talk about life groups, and I talk about things like that, I, I, don't, I don't want this. This is not deepening relationships. This is not walking relationally with people. And hear me, I know it takes time, and it takes work. And we're going to do everything we can to guard that, to protect that, to, to create that environment where this can happen. And we'll talk more about that next week. But, but this thought of deepening relationship, I can remember reading this book, and as I was reading it, it was about this, this guy named Dan who was in a men's group. And he announces that he's leaving his wife that he's been with for over 20 years for another woman. He's leaving her. He's done. He's, he's moving on. He's leaving her. And he'd been in this same group of men for five years, been walking relationally in a small group with men for five years. And in all the times that they have gathered and they have come together, not once did he ever mention that there was even a problem in his marriage, that there was even a struggle, that there was even anything going on. And so one man commented in this that I was reading and says, I thought we were brothers. But it turns out that we didn't even really know each other. They've come together and they've discussed politics, they've discussed sports, but they didn't have any real relationship, nor had they grown as true disciples in Christ. That group had never been led deeper than just small talk and just a few comments about the scriptures. That's not deepening relationship. That's, that's superficial, surface level it's knowing a few personal things about people and asking them how they're, how they're doing, but never going deeper with them. And I get, I know we can't go deeper with everyone. I get that. I know that. But we see that in Galatians 6 where it says to bear each other's burdens. It's pointing to, to deepness, to depth. Not just answering, hey, I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. How's life going? Good. I'm okay. I'm, and just going on about our day. It's more than that. It's more than that. that. That's the environment that we want to create is where, where people can come together and they can be real. We can be honest. We can be open. We can share our struggles. We can share what's happening. And then we can come around them in community uh, relationally and love them like Jesus and try to walk with and try to, 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 to help see things lived out, cared for, cared for. And, and so relationship is always in process, always in process. It takes time. It takes work. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes willingness. And so I want, I want our church, I want our life groups, I want us to be a place where deepening relationship happens, to create environments where we can move in depth, depth in relationship. I mean, I mean our, our, our world encourages superficial. Don't let anybody else know how you're doing. See, that's, that's the thing about uh, social media stuff. You only put up there what you want everybody else to see and like a lot of. You don't ever put the real stuff up there. I always joke about like family pictures is a nightmare in the Miller house. First of all, because my wife's raising four boys. She's got three littles and she's got me. And, and she's like one of those that loves the perfect picture, you know? Unedited like type perfect picture. Like don't cut the head off of Scott over here and move it back over here to this picture and take Bishop's whatever he did there and put it. No, 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 no. She, she, I mean, and so we get together to do family pictures and it like you get like one really good one maybe that's even been edited some. But it took like 30, 30 shots to get that one. And then we've got to move on to a different pose. But, but what do we only put up? The one really, really good shot. The one really, really good shot. That's how we live our life, is it not? I don't want you to know that I struggled last week with this, or I said this, or I exploded uh, on my kids about this, or I responded to someone like that, or I said that word, or I thought that thought. Or I chased after that. I, I, we, we, don't, we don't put that, we don't do that. We don't want that stuff up there. And, and our world don't want you to put that stuff. Our world doesn't, Satan does not want you to go deep with people. And he does this, you know, like what's your thought whenever I say, hey, let's go deep, let's go deep with people. Let's like really love people and care for people and share. I don't know about you, but it scares me to death. And the reason why I say that is because I know the moment the preacher tells you something about himself, That'll get locked away into the bank to when you really need it to, to, to be able to have some ammunition to light him up if you need to. And guess what? I'm no different than anybody else in the room because nobody else is going deep with people too because you know what that person could do with that information if you give it to them. You know what they might say or what they might share. You know that maybe in that moment of vulnerability, 
When you're in that situation with them and you start to kind of lovingly challenge them with something, what is the first thing they're going to pull up and remind you about you? Or maybe tell someone else. Or maybe have nothing else to do with you again. Yeah, yeah, I I know what that's like. And that's what Satan wants us to do. Do you know what they would think if you told them that? Do you know what they would do if, if they knew that you were struggling with that? Men, look at me right now. If you are a Dan in that story that I just read there and you tell another man, Satan doesn't want you to do that. He doesn't want you to find accountability. He doesn't want you to find, find uh, uh, encouragement. He doesn't want you to find a place where you can live and be in community uh, with other people at that depth where they can love you and they can beg of you to love your wife like Christ has loved the church and they can, uh, uh, they can, they can press on you a little bit and they can check on you and they can, they can help you. He doesn't want you to do that and be the man that God's created you to be or the husband that God's created for you to be and outlined in his word. He wants you to worry about what that dude will think. He wants you to worry about what, what if he goes home and tells his wife? What if you get in a heated conversation with him later down the road and he, he brings that up, well, you can't even worry about your wife and you did. He doesn't want us to be connected deeply. He wants us to stay superficial. He wants us to be on an island out there all by ourselves, not walking with people. Not not letting people know and see. And the thing that blows my mind is this, is that in this room today, the struggle and the hang-up and the issues that's walked in this room, and I know that there is because I brought mine with me. I've got plenty with me right now. Things that I battle day to day, week to week, month to month. No different than anybody else in this room. And what I know to be true from Scripture is that we're all jacked up and messed up in some form and fashion and at some level. Every single one of us, from the youngest in this room to the oldest, you still struggle because you're still human, you're still in the flesh, and God hasn't come for you yet. And so to think for a moment that you can pull the wool over someone's eyes, or to live in fear of what they might think or they might say, when the creator of the universe, as I've already told you, runs after you when you think like that, comes for you hard when you talk that way, doesn't give up or quit on you when you act or do or just respond emotionally for whatever reason or just blow up on your kids because they couldn't get three plus two for the 20th time. I've been there. It's real. <laughs> See, I know that about myself. You know that about you. Satan wants you to think that nobody else struggles with that or does that. But every single person in this room is in the flesh and they fight the flesh and they battle the flesh and they've got to crucify the flesh that the scripture teaches. And there's a God that knows and pursues in spite of, that loves and cares for and doesn't treat you like you treat everybody else. Doesn't treat me like I treat everybody else. Well, if they just don't go with what I think, then I'm just, uh. Or if they tell me something I don't like about myself, then, uh, I don't have to have them around me or with me. He doesn't do that. See, James 5.15 says it like this. James 5.15 says like this, 5.15 and 16. He says, and if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that they may be healed. Confess your sins. When was the last time you told somebody about that dark little secret sin or that little thing that, just, that can just take you down in a moment? When, when have you confessed your sins to one another, prayed for one another that you may be healed? He says this, that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, I, mean, I, don't, I don't suggest that you do this to everybody. I don't suggest that you just put, Jesus didn't do that, right? He, he had the multitudes, the 12, the three, the one. Uh, I think that's a good model not to just air everything out there because not everybody loves you like that. Not everybody cares for you. Not everybody wants to see the best. That's why you journey in personal relationship, deep relationship. And as that happens, you start to share more and more and more and you start to go deeper together. You you start to see hearts exposed. And then you start to to share as time is spent and trust is gained. That's what you do. And and, and I'll say this, this, this is the little clause that I would put on there. It's always men with men and women with women. Hear me, dude, if you've got a female accountability partner, that is not good, and that is dangerous. And, and Miss Lady, if you've got a dude or a man that is an accountability partner or just a prayer partner, or just, and, and, and that's where you always run to, to share, that is not a safe relationship. That is, not, that is not what I'm talking about here, and that should be there. That is very, very dangerous, and that, that, that is opening up to some things that is not healthy and good and can lead down a road that, is, that it doesn't end well. But we need relationship. We need people in our life. And, and, and I think it needs to get to this place where it's a faith-building relationship. 
This is where we want to get to. This is where we, we want it to be. And so this means help, help by helping people strengthen and be encouraged to, to help each other do that and to live by faith all the more every day. See, faith is being satisfied with all that God is for us in Jesus. That's what faith is. Being satisfied, being completely content and satisfied with all that God is for us, all that God has accomplished, all that God has done in Jesus. That's what faith is. And that's the kind of relationship that we want. We want to be, we want to be satisfied in Christ. And I need a brother to help me sometimes because I will whine and complain and, and go on and on and on about this and this and this and that. Scott, dude, just pump the brakes, bro. My goodness. What, what, what has God called you to do? What does God want you to do? What, is, what, what would God press you in here? What, what does scripture say? And he always pushed me back to the foundation. That's where they pushed me back to. We need people like that who love Jesus, committed to Jesus, and through that relationship do the same thing for us, love us and are committed to us. And what's shared stays there where they'll tell us the truth about us, where they'll encourage where there needs to be encouragement or they'll hold accountable, or they do all those things that we see in Scripture. And so I believe that this is where we should have a desire to get to relationally. This should be our, our goal, to help each other stay satisfied in God. To help each other stay satisfied in God. Uh, look, at, look at Hebrews 3 as we, we, we wind down right here, as we finish out. Hebrews 3, 12. This is what it says. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be uh, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. He says, but extort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, relationship for the sole purpose to be faith building. That's what we need. We're committed to one another at that depth where I can love you enough and care for you enough. Say, hey, man, I see you going down this road or I see you, you, you did this or you thought that or you acted that way or you, what's going on? What's really happening at a deeper level in your heart? What's, what are you processing? What are you do? What's, what's really going on? That's where we should be getting to. That's where we should desire to get to deeply with a few. And then even with, with a lot. This is the point where we can push each other and encourage each other this way. So as, as the band comes back up, as the band comes back up, what we see, what we read, and what we understand from the scriptures from the very beginning, God created us for relationship. He created us for relationship. Made us relational beings. First and foremost, the greatest relationship we need is with Jesus. So my question to you would be this. How's your relationship with Christ? What does that look like? What is that like? Are you growing deeper, spending time with him? Are you in the word? What does your prayer life look like? Are you being convicted of sin? Are you being encouraged in your walk? Like, what does your relationship, do you have a relationship with Jesus? If not, that's the place to start, first and foremost. And, and if you do, are you doing the things relationally with him that'll help you grow and know? That, that'll help you mature, that, 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 you'll, that you walk relationally with him? Are you doing those things? And then the second relationship is with others. And what I would ask you is this, man, who, who are you walking with in a way that is deeper than just knowing their favorite team Knowing their kid's first name or what they ate for dinner. Maybe a way to gauge it is like this. Who'd, who'd you pray with this week? Who'd you pray with? Who did you just either shoot a message to or pick up the phone and call and just pray with? Who did you confess sin to this week? Because see, I would argue that if, if, if none of this has went on, that then you're really not in a good, healthy, safe place relationally with people. You, you, you're really not at a place. You mean to tell me, Scott, that you may have to call somebody multiple times a week? Yeah, yeah. If you knew my heart and knew how I was, yeah, yeah. I, I call people multiple times a week. I say, hey, dude, I need you to pray for me. Hey, dude, I've thought this. Hey, dude, I, this is kind of stirring my heart. I need, yes. Who did, you, who did you encourage this week? Who did you press on this week? Who, who did you spend the time and energy and effort of doing relationship and walking out relationship and being vulnerable before and encouraging and pressing. See, see, I believe, I believe that this personal, deep, authentic relationships may be the most absent piece in the discipleship journey. That this might be the most absent piece. And so I believe that when we live out personal, authentic, deep relationship, God's, God gets glory. And we're blessed with the maturing of our faith 
in a way that shapes us all the more into the image of Christ. And that's what we need. That's what God wants to create. That's what he is doing in our life and in our heart and in the midst of his church. That's what he wants to accomplish. So we want to make biblical disciples. Those who are saved, those who are being changed, those who are on mission with Jesus. And the way that we do that is in a relational environment. Relationship, just like what I talked about. That's how we do it. Life on life. Iron sharpens iron. Where we rub. Where we rub and there's friction. And we work through that. And at the end of the day, when we work through that, man, we are closer to Jesus. Closer to each other. And that bond is formed all the deeper. The roots take all the deeper. That's, that's what I mean by when I talk about relational environments. We want to create environments like that whereby we can go with a few, with a, with, with a small group, with, with whatever. That's what we're talking about. That's where we want to be. Father, help us this morning to hear from you. Help us this morning to take that chance to step out, to be vulnerable. God, I know it's scary. I know it's a lot. I know it's hard. I know there's, there's a number of things. And Father, I would even be willing to bet that in this room this morning that there are a great number of people here who have been burnt by the church. And when I say church, by people in the church, whether a person in a position or someone who called themselves a friend or someone who led them at a time or whatever the case is. And so, Father, the reality is this, is that as we enter into relationship with people, yeah, we're going to do the same thing because we're, we're human and we mess up and we struggle and we want to make ourselves feel better and just a number of things. And so, God, yeah, we enter into it knowing that that's going to happen, but, but that's where relationship digs in even more and we, we approach and we walk out. And with humility, humility, we say we're sorry or with humility, we own what we need to own and we continue to work and move and journey toward you with others. So Father, even this morning as I've preached this and proclaimed this, Father, seeing what you've said in your word, I can just imagine the angst in the room. But, ah, Scott, that sounds great, but I've just, I've, I know some things and I've experienced some things. Father, I pray you would even work through that and in that, that to assure a heart, to show that heart, Father God, as, as awful as we have been treated and the things that we have been through through others, Father, what we put you through day after day after day and you continue to come after us. You continue to seek that relationship with us. So, Father, help us get to that place. And, Father, if, if, if that's us, offer our heart. And, Father, if we've been one that have wronged someone, God, that you would convict us and that you would help us work through that and you'd help us to own what we need to own so that we can repent and walk closer to you and with others. Jesus, do work in this place. I beg of you. In your name, we pray. Amen.